Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hayes sent you. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of The Awakened Soul Podcast. I am one of your hosts, CEO Hayes, and in this week's episode, before we get into that, if you're not following the podcast, make sure you're doing so at Awaken Soul Pod or at The Awaken Soul Pod. Make sure you're also following me personally at CEO Hayes. That's CEO H A I Z E. We got an amazing show planned for you guys this week. Uh, I will be talking about. Um, we'll get into it because uh, it's uh, for those who have been following the EDP four four five situation. Who is a YouTuber uh, who's been around for a while is actually quite a big YouTuber. He had about two point five million subscribers. Um, he actually got taken down by another page uh, where they do predator poaching. And then, like, there's been a lot of drama to fall down out of that. So we'll talk a little bit about that just because I find this situation really, really interesting. And I wanted to talk about it. And then uh, in the last uh, segment, uh, the main discussion topic, we'll actually be talking about gas. Not the type of gas you're talking about. We'll be talking about gear acquisi- acquisition, acquisition syndrome. Talk fast. Sometimes I stumble over my words. Uh, so that's what we have planned on this week's episode of The Awakened Soul. Uh, thanks for all the support, all the emails about last week's episode. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Like I, I've always said, uh, and I, I keep saying, I'm going to keep saying it. The Awakened Soul has one of the best and most supportive listenerships in all of podcasting. And I appreciate that. I don't take it for granted. You guys mean the world to me. And so, um, yeah, there, that, that's all with that. Enough preferencing. We're going to go ahead. We're going to jump into my dark and twisted crazy ass mind. But before we do that, we have to get into our intro music which starts right about now, and I'll catch you guys on the other side. The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. All right, what's going on, everyone? Um, so I, I said that uh, during the opening, what we'll be talking about in this week's in the Monahay segment. And so, um, again, just to just to set the stage, so uh, EDP four four five is a YouTuber, uh, quite a big, a large one. Uh, he got taken down by this um, uh, another channel called uh, Predator Poaching, or yeah, Predator Poaching, uh, run by a guy named Chet uh, Goldstein. That was his. A fake name. His name is actually Alex Rosen. And so the reason why I want to talk about this, for one, is that, you know, I'm a parent, right? And so um, I've said before many, many times how, you know, anything to do with uh, pedophiles, it's, it's always going to be a 
something that get, elicits an immediate response and, and vitriol from me. I can't help it. That's just where I am. Um, and so initially when this news came out, the EDP 445, which EDP stands for Eat That Pussy 445, right there should have been some signs. Um, I was going to do and report on it um, in the episode that followed. I think this was about two or three weeks ago at this point. I was going to talk about it, but I didn't. Um, at that time, there was still more details out um, going out about it. And, you know, it, I know we live in an age um, where a lot of, you know, you, a lot of our kids watch YouTube. And I don't know how closely everyone monitors uh, their kids' YouTube consumption or what they watch on YouTube or anything like that. Um, and this isn't to pass judgment or to talk about that necessarily because i think you know his content is it's not like his content was geared towards kids so that's what i want to say but with being as popular as that as that he was i'm sure that a lot of he probably popped up in some of the algorithms and so uh it's important that we watch and and look at what our kids are, are looking at and consuming for things like this now his content what like i said was not geared towards kids but the fact that this guy was so big and just to walk down uh what happened here is that in this 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 channel uh predator approachers they reached out to him uh through a through a fake page uh he, they initially made the first contact he responded chats and logs came out eventually it went to him uh supposedly meeting up with his girl where they had their cameras their crew and they busted him now again uh unfortunately it doesn't look like any uh charges are going to be placed against him because of the way that they did the investigation the fact that they're they weren't professionals to try to do this whole like to catch a predator type investigation and even with to catch a predator which was ran by was it nbc i believe it was nbc that's wrong it's been so long since i've watched to catch a predator i don't remember exactly which network aired it but um so they did this whole style investigation and unfortunately it doesn't look like i said he's going to face any charges uh because of the way that it was done the police weren't involved with it uh even when to catch a predator uh, did some of their investigations, which is something I didn't know about at the time, is that a few, I can't remember the percentage, I think it was about 40% of even the people that they um, busted didn't face criminal prosecution because they were amateurs and unprofessional. They had police and law enforcement involved in some of these things. So when you have someone who's going out um, and, you know, just being a YouTuber and trying to do this, this whole thing, uh, it unfortunately it leaves some gray area legally where he may not be able to get charges pressed against him. Now I would uh, I'm gonna shout out to to Dan because I would love to hear like Black Law and Legal Lies talk about this and hear some of Ann's um, expertise in law and just but I think Dan's like me I think this this topic may piss Dan the fuck off as well. But um, nonetheless, uh, outside of me wanting to hear some of my favorite YouTubers talk about I mean podcasters talk about this is that you know this guy. And he's been accused times before. There were, um, I think, like three or four different allegations against him that he either played off as he knew he was being trolled, so he played along or whatever else. And people kind of ignored it. He went back to YouTubing, and there was no problem. I think what makes this time different is that even, even and we'll talk about some of the issues with Alex Rosen, who ran this invest investigation. And I, for people who aren't watching the video, I did air quotes with that because we'll talk about that. Um, but that when they got him on video, he admitted, he admitted saying that he was lonely. Uh, at first he said that he was there to get a cupcake. It was going to be nothing sexual. But then after they brought up the chat logs, he admitted to saying these things, their own video, his YouTube channel has been completely taken down and banned both of them. Cause he had to, I believe his Twitter has been taken down as well. Um, he initially removed a lot of his videos from YouTube 
I'm guessing because he probably thought that it that it was going to kind of blow over and he was going to be able to come back. But now he's been banned from YouTube. Um, and, you know, he said that he does this thing because because he's lonely. And when you look at EDP 445, he's the almost the definition of an incel. And he he used this comedy, um, his page to, to get some some of the darker shit out. But it's always been there. There's always been an underline. I don't mean to be one of those people who sits here with hindsight now and says, oh, well, we should have known. I'm not saying that we should have just guessed that it was to this level, that he was a a abuser and a sexual deviant to this level on our own. But when you look at the allegations that have been placed on him over the last few years that he was able to just brush under the rug because no one really, really um, pressed him on it or held him accountable for the accusations that faced against him. It kind of for me. And this is what I'll say to me. And I it's not I was not subscribed to EDP 445. I've seen some of his videos. He does a lot of sports things, a lot of reactions and goofy things. And they popped up. And I'm not going to lie that I've watched some of the videos. Um, but like that leads me to this to this place in this conversation is that when we're looking at these creators, when we're watching them, when we're whatever, consuming their content and allegations like that come along and then we we allow them to brush it off. And when I say we, I don't mean me specifically, you specifically. I mean as viewers on YouTube, that that people who watch YouTube videos. Um, and, you know, there's been other one. What the, the beauty YouTuber James Charles does, I think his name. I don't watch beauty YouTube channel, so I don't I may that name may be incorrect. He's also faced some allegations and released a video of him admitting to the to some things, but what place do as content consumers have in calling out the bullshit? That that's where this question kind of kind of sits. And to highlight that more so, so EDP four four five, disgusting, deviant. Don't defend any of that at all. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to press any criminal charges. But the the thing that I think we I don't know if I want to say take solace in, um, is that his life is going to be completely changed from this at all. I, I'm not sure. 100% if he was making his living totally off YouTube, I would imagine with the number of subscribers he does and the rate that he was releasing videos and those views, probably a big part of his income was coming from YouTube. So that part of his life is going to be changed forever. Then the public stigma now that he's on camera, and even though that the Predator Approaches page has been taken down as well, and we'll talk about that, um, has been taken down also, but that video was going to live on the internet forever. It's been news, uh, CNN, I think, reported on it. Um, it's been a lot of news channels who have picked up the story and reported on it. And I think the reason why is because the, the, the consuming and watching content on YouTube is such a big part now of American or worldwide culture at this point that this is a cautionary tale, right? This is a cautionary tale for us to watch who we're supporting, watch who we're putting our time in. And also for those people who do just kind of give their kids a screen and let them go on it is that now Hopefully, a lot of those people are kind of waking up, even though, like I said, EDP's channel was not necessarily a channel directed towards kids at all. The content wasn't directed towards that. But hopefully this wakes some people up. Now, the other side of this, the flip side of this that I want to talk about is Chet Goldstein, a.k.a. Alex Rosen and the Predator Approachers, um, who the whole time that this video was supposed to be coming out and they released a teaser first, then they wanted to make sure that, that they were going to be monetized enough before they, they dropped the video all seemed creepy right like that that seemed a little bit off if you have something and you have this video of this guy who was going to victimize a child for you to specifically wait to 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 you to be monetized before you released it seemed a bit it raised some eyebrows right i, I would say that it raised some eyebrows um and so 
because you would think once this video drops, it's going to be so huge that you're going to get monetized anyway. But nonetheless, they wanted to make sure they waited so they were, they were monetized. So this video drops. And then about a week after this video drops, if even that, we start getting some details about Alex Rosen, a.k.a. Chet Goldstein, who ran this. Well, first, the, first, the way that they ran this investigation started getting broke down when people started realizing that EDP 445 was probably not going to face charges. After that, we start getting things and other videos that come out from this guy, uh, Alex Rosen, who he's not only a racist. Uh, there's several videos of him saying uh, the N-word um, directed towards black people. There's several um, videos of him making homophobic statements. And I believe he himself is a homosexual um, male. He identifies as that, I believe. Now, I read that, but I, I haven't got that uh, solidified. So uh, that's just me putting it out there in case that is true. I, I, again, not that it matters or changes anything here, but he's been on video seen making homophobic statements. And then this video comes out that makes him seem just as much of a, of a predator as EDP 445. While he wasn't meeting up to have sex, but he's on this video having this conversation with this real 13-year-old girl and telling her, coaching her to take pictures more sexy, coaching her to take certain clothes off, taking her, uh, coaching her to, to, to talk more seductively and do these things, which could be looked at as grooming. Um, and he's recording this the whole time like it's funny. And so now his page has also been taken down. He's been blocked and banned from YouTube. And so this, this whole story and the whole way that this thing unfolded is just a hugely big cautionary tale on watch who the fuck you're watching on YouTube, right? Um, and, you know, Chet Goldstein in some of his other Predator poaching videos, he, he's been said to basically, to well, shown, proven to basically say, well, if you fight me, then we won't call the police. Like, coaching people into physical altercations to avoid them calling the police. Like overall, this dude is just as much of a creep on, on so many different levels as EDP 445. And so the whole way that this story has just unfolded as someone who creates content, as someone who, I don't, I'm not a reporter, but who talks about uh, stories and stuff. This is just such a, a clusterfuck to just be, to put it honestly and bluntly, it's just like to the person who exposed who exposed a predator not only to have videos that they recorded themselves of doing predatory things but also being racist and homophobic it's just like this is like such a it's like a law and order story this is like a real life story that you would see on some or not real life but this is like a real life episode that you would see on law and order SVU and i guarantee you we know SVU rip shits from the headlines this season's probably already all done recorded but i guarantee you next season of svu we're going to get um a version of this story on svu because it's just it's right for that this is this is mind-boggling um and so i know this isn't my usual things that i cover in uh the end of mine Hayes segment but it's just it's it's wow like it's just wow um and as i'm sitting here just watching this unfold and the different layers that come out and you've had videos uh, come out about ED uh, that exposed EDP and some of his past predatory things. Then this Chet Goldstein guy. Then more things come out about him and like, like I said, the racist comments and the the making people fight and like all all this shit. The, obviously, so this this guy Chet Goldstein absolutely, and I don't like using this phrase because it's starting to become cliche. Did all this for clout, right? This was a clout maneuver um, to do this, and he and you know it is what it is there, but then that his shit is so fucked up as well that now he's taken down himself 
by trying to take down a predator. It's just fucking crazy. Um, like I said, all the videos is on there. You can search it. Like, like the, the video of him, of Chet Goldstein, the video of EDP is discussing as well. I, I said that. I want to make sure I say this so nobody thinks I'm trying to defend it. Um, but the video of Chet Goldstein being on the, on the phone with this actual 13-year-old girl telling her to take off pieces of clothing and to take more seductive photos and to, you know, just like I said, grooming and coaching is fucking equally as disgusting as anything else, anything else in this story. Um, but let me know how you guys feel about it, what you guys think, if you were following it, if you uh, knew about it, if it's something that even came up on your radar or on your social media, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, just let me know. Um, but we are going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, a brief break. Uh, we're going to play some intro music. And then on the other side of that, we're going to jump into the main discussion topic. Where we'll be talking about gear acquisition syndrome. I said it right that time, a.k.a. gas. I'll catch you guys on the other side of this. Being a mom is probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. I have my own company, but I'm a mom first. A young urban mom, it's not an experience like any other. When you're young, you're growing with your kid. You're growing into that identity. Developing and creating a community of moms that are basically sharing information with one another so that we can be stronger moms. Perfect imperfection, beautiful chaos, doing the best you can every day, falling down nine times but getting up ten. As long as you are led by love, you kind of can't lose. Moms coming together to share information so that we can be great parents for our, our children. Us being the change we wanted to see in the world. Yum came into existence. All right, so we're in the main discussion topic this week, and this is a topic that has, that is really like near and dear to my heart. Um, because I talk about my equipment all the time. I talk about um, how much money has gone into my studio, uh, my cameras, all that shit. And it's something that, you know, as creatives, I think we fall in this, and not everyone, because some creatives are literally, they buy their initial set of gear and they will ride that out into, into something breaks or doesn't work anymore, right? So, um, but gear acquisition syndrome, especially in the creative culture, is something that, you know, is real. Um, gear acquisition syndrome is something that's very, very real because how often do you have, and, you know, the, the people, and this isn't to throw anyone under the bus, right? Because I'm going to mention myself in, in this as well. I think some of the podcasters that come to mind when I think of gear acquisition syndrome, me, Dan on drugs, flaw 700. And again, that's not, a, I'm not saying that to throw anybody under the bus. That's why I made sure I said my name first, because I think I'm worse than either one of those two. But when you're in this creative space, you start, you know, when you initially get in it, it's this fun thing or whatever, and you're doing it. And then it's like, oh, but that's a better mic. Oh, but that's a better light. And it's even worse if you get into video. Like my, my people who are podcasters and YouTubers who are, video creatives it's i will i had to make the decision right to not buy another camera <laughs> because they're like cameras are coming out at such fast pace now now like when i bought my camera it was a 6k camera there was no other 6k cameras really on the market um and then now 8k cameras are, are becoming the rage and it's like wow whoa, whoa hold hold on i don't even use the 6k on my camera usually uh but i think we are when we're when we're creating right 
we we look for gear initially that's going to make us either sound look the best possible and then there's this constant thing of improvement and as technology grows at such a rapid pace it's we can never stay ahead of it there will literally always be something that's better than what you had before that does or adds a new level of functionality for example I had this focus right, uh, what the 18, I, one great focus right that had four mic inputs or whatever. The Rodecaster Pro came out with that has still four mic inputs, but has the additional soundboard built in. And I, I had to have it, even though my interface at that time was working perfectly fine. And I even have the case, I worked out a software ability to have a soundboard. I did not need this Rodecaster Pro when I co come back and look at it. Now, yes, it does make a lot of things easier. It does uh, simplify my process. I wasn't doing video at the time, but it even helps more so with video now because I'm able to have my good mic go. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Directly into my, um, into my camera and get great audio that way. Um, but we are constantly looking for equipment to improve our creativity or improve the quality and the reason why gear acquisition syndrome is something that it's not necessarily bad, um, but it, but more than likely it is. And some people are able to manage it a little bit better is because, like I said, we can never stay ahead of it. And a lot of times we can we have gear that's more than capable enough to get what we want out of it if we learn it a little bit more. I can't stress enough how like I, like I said, I talk about it a lot a lot on this podcast i talk about the fact of how i have an actual cinema camera it's used to make movies that's why my videos look so good xyz there there are times where i force myself to use my old camera and there's actually this isn't a shameless plug but i'm gonna admit it there, i'm gonna be doing one of the what's in my camera bag videos and uh just talking about like my camera setup on the legacy visions youtube channel where i'm gonna be doing a little bit more of like the video creation side of, of tips and tutorials over there if you are interested in that if not it's absolutely fine um and when I was doing this, I had to use my old camera. I forced myself to use my old camera so I can have my new camera in frame because uh, I'm talking about it, so I can have it in hand. And I'm looking at this thing, and now that I've learned different things uh, with video since I'm doing video more professionally now and as a side gig, um, I'm, I, 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 things that I've learned, I'm now applying into my older camera, my first camera, and I'm like, damn, this, this video looks amazing. Like, this looks damn near as good as my professional camera. And it's like, did I really need to spend the additional freaking $4,000 on a cinema camera when I had a, a perfectly good $900 camera that, that does probably about 85 to 90% of what my cinema camera does? Um, but I like, like I said, I, and this is something that I wanted to talk about because I suffer from it. Um, uh, I, I, I just got a drone, right? Just got a drone. Now, that's a little bit different because that does something that I couldn't do with any of my current equipment. Um, 
But when I look at like specifically over the last two years, I've easily spent upwards of $10,000 on, on equipment. Easily, easily. That's not even, that's not, that's, that's probably undercutting it some if I'm being honest. But I think this, where, where, where it come, it, for me, where stuff becomes special for me as a creative, it's not necessarily the gear in of itself, but the quality of the content. And we think that buying and purchasing this gear is going to necessarily improve it. And usually buying more gear, throwing new gear at something, unless it's an absolute need. For example, if you need an LED light that does 15 colors and all you have is one LED light that only does white, that's different. You're buying that because it, it absolutely does a functionality that you could not get before. But when we look at it and thinking that gear just automatically improves quality, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And I know there's this whole thing on YouTube of gear doesn't matter. I don't I don't say that. I don't think that enough. Right. I don't think that gear doesn't matter at all. It, it is how you use the gear. But also some gear does add some things that you just can't do. For example, I was looking for another camera um, for my wedding work. And I wanted a camera that had better autofocus than what my camera does. My camera, cinema, again, for those who don't know, most cinema cameras that are used for, for movies don't have autofocus at all because the director, you, they have what's called a focus puller. It's somebody who literally sits with a monitor and a device that changes the focus of the camera who knows what they're, what they're doing as the director more so just focus and the cinematographer focus on the framing and the camera movements and the cinematography. Um, and so mine doesn't have great autofocus. If you notice sometimes in my videos, my, it'll drift a little bit, but it usually comes back to me pretty quick because I've tweaked the settings. So I was looking for another camera, uh, a, a camera that I wanted to use on my gimbal for different angles while I had my main camera focused in on, on the bride or the groom or whatever. And my mind initially went to this Sony camera, which was another $4,000. And I was like, which it has different lenses than my camera. So I would have had to invest in a different lens system. And for the longest, that's what I was going to spend. Finally, I had to make the decision to know I'm just going to get another camera that's very similar to my cinema camera that's made by my used Lumix cameras. That is another Lumix camera that has the same mount. I can use the same lenses. They're interchangeable. But I'm going to make myself learn how to better use the focusing with that. So whether it's it's it, so that's something that I did, but to, to, you know, to bring it back to podcasting specifically, I think with podcasting, there's this idea that it's always the hunt for the next great mic. I did it. The mic that you see in my videos that I use now, the EVRE320 is the name of the mic that I use. Great mic, great mic. For the longest, I was using a Behringer XM8500. Also a great mic. I use that for the majority of, of the time that this podcast has been around. That's the podcast I listen to. So if you go back and listen to episodes older than a year and a half, most of those episodes were done on this Behringer mic that was $25 and sounds amazing. At the time, I didn't learn how to EQ. I didn't learn equalization settings. I didn't learn some of the filter settings to get the best out of that mic, but it still sounded great. Now I spent another $200 on this microphone. Um, and so, it, but I don't have to EQ it as much. I don't have to, it sounds amazing, but I could have easily gotten very close to the sound quality, if not equal to the sound quality, but just learning the mic that I had at the time different. Now, since I've taken now time out to learn EQ, if for some reason this mic goes out, I'm not buying another one of these. I'm going to go back to that old mic and make that motherfucker sound amazing. Um, and so when we look at like gear being automatically what's going to change or make our product better, I think that's that's where the syndrome and that's where the negativity comes out in because for, for most of 
pocket podcast content listeners or content consumers in general, whether it be visual, whether it be audio, it's the content that comes first. If you have your content locked down, if you have a great way of delivering, if you are entertaining, if you've picked a topic that you're passionate about and they feel that and your audience feels connected to you, yeah, that doesn't mean that that won't excuse giving them sucky sound quality or sucky quality content. But if your if your quality is good enough and your content is amazing and and draws them in, I guarantee you there's no there's very rare a podcast listener is thinking huh, they should go buy this $500 mic. People just like podcast consumers, content consumers don't care. They don't think about that unless they're another content consumer. And this is where I say that we get into this echo chamber as creatives where we are only talking to other creators and we start thinking that it's about, you know, because so many conversations, what camera do you use? What what uh, monitor do you use? What mic are you using? What interface are you using? That we think that that. And then we're also like, hey, did you know that they that the road's coming out with the Rodecaster Pro too, and all this type of stuff, and we start, like I said, thinking that we that that upgrade is going to be something that we need because we're talking to just other podcasters where the people who can consume our content are absolutely fine with the quality of what you do. A lot of the money that that I have spent, and you know, I try to make this about me. Now, the majority of that has been to build this studio in my basement, which I think is a necessity to have the studio in my basement. I just do um, for what I do um, and a lot of different things and having more guests in the studio soon now that, you know, more people are getting vaccinated. Um, but when I look at like, for example, I, I bought this Atomos uh, recorder, right? And that does do a lot for my, um, for my business side of, of video and my filmmaking side of video. That is a tool that I feel was needed. Now, had I done more research, I would have jumped into that first because I, I've, I have three other monitors around here that combined are probably more than the price of the Atomos, but because I didn't do enough research, I bought the first one, I bought it, I needed an external monitor, and I, I'm new to this. I didn't take the time out to research. And I think the things are, first, if we're gonna look at like actionable items coming from this topic, first, Rather than new gear, look at how you can learn your gear. Look if there's anything, or, well, ask yourself, are you getting the best possible quality out of what you currently own? And sometimes that may mean learning something that you haven't taken the time out to learn. Like I said, EQing, microphones and voices and audio can get you so far with almost whatever mic that you have uh, rather than buying a new one. Um, so that's the first actionable item. Ask yourself, are you truly getting the best out of um, out of the, the 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 gear that you currently have? Number two, how does what what functionality, how much easier is the gear that you're purchasing making your job? If it's cutting out a lot of time and time is money, if it's cutting out a lot of time for you, if it's if it's streamlining your process to the point where you've been spending so much time on this that it's taken away from you being able to create. All right then maybe that's probably a good purchase because that allows you to focus back on creating even more so. And then number three, are you doing it because of the perception of just because it's something new so you can be have the latest and greatest? Or are you truly doing it because it fills a gap in what you need, right? If you ask yourself those questions, if you look at those three things and two out of three or one out of three, just depending on it, then chances are, okay, then that piece of gear is, is worth the investment. And I can't stress enough too. like the one of the, the worst things that fall into a lot of creatives when it comes to gear acquisition sy syndrome is how much how much more do you have to create or how many hours are episodes for you that you have to put out 
to eat that cost of that of that um of that new gear and for some people it's you can't answer that because a lot of these a lot of us creatives aren't making money off creating now luckily i am a creative that does make money off his podcast my, my youtube isn't nearly monetized yet but I also i am a content creator for other brands i do weddings i do films so i do make money off the off these things so a lot of even if it's not necessarily my content the content that i create does have a monetary value to my life so it balances out sometimes with the gear that i buy sometimes i have to eat the cost sometimes i can say all right once I do these two weddings, I can go buy this new piece of gear. That's what I did with the camera. I had a wedding. I know I needed a second B camera. And I was like, all right, after I do this wedding, that's going to cover the cost of not only my time, but this new piece of gear that I need to use. But if you're a content creator that's not yet making money, don't always think that you need to go to the mics, that the Shure SM7Bs, the EVRE 20s or 320s like I use. Um, don't think you need to do that. And for video, this is the thing that I can't stress enough. And this is where I think for me, the video component is so much more expensive than just the audio component of podcasting. So this isn't to shun my podcasts only, but as people are doing more video, you will find video is way more expensive than podcasting because the cost of the camera body is even if you want, if you want a decent camera, professional camera, now, and then, you know, we'll talk, I have another thing I want to talk about with video here that we'll end on. But if you want to invest in professional video equipment, you have to look at the camera body. You have to look at the lens. Lenses sometimes are almost as expensive as the camera themselves. You have to look at storage because a lot of these cameras, if you get into like a 6K camera with, with mine, the SD or QHD cards that you use are so fucking astronomical. It can be ridiculous. Um, so if you're not making money off your, your creation, don't keep investing in something that's not investing back into you. And by that, I mean, you keep spending money on gear, but there's no money coming in from the gear that you're spending money on. So what sense does it make to buy, in my example, like people ask me what camera I use, what sense does it make for somebody who's not doing this professionally, not making money off creating to go and jump right into a $4,000 camera? I would never suggest that to anyone. I would never suggest that to anyone. And, and like I said, that counts to the camera is just the camera. You can't even film with just the camera. The camera, my main camera, and lens setup is $6,500. That's how much everything costs. That's that's it. And that's not even counting, like I said, the the SD cards and storage and media and everything else that, that goes into needing to just run a video operation. So if you're not making money off this, keep your investment as low as possible while maintaining the quality that you need and want. Like I said, there is a great mic that you can get for $25 that is going to sound amazing it's xlr now you have to get an interface for that too there are cheap interfaces the bear uh behringer euphoria interfaces are some of the best affordable interfaces that you can get you're up and running for about 75 80 if you're an audio audio only podcast that you can get very professional sound uh out of and you'll you'll get studio quality sound secondly the video aspect of it if you want to get into this video thing i can't stress enough shout out to socially unacceptable my little brothers over there who uh, they are really, they have dived heavily into video production. But the thing, and I hope, I don't think they'll mind people knowing this. Corey, if you're listening, if, my bad if I spilled some beans that you didn't want to spill. But um, they use iPhones for theirs. And their video looks fucking amazing. Amazing. The best camera that you have is the camera that you already own. Especially when you're starting off. If you don't know how to edit video yet, you haven't gotten into color grading, 
uh, you haven't gotten into any of any of that stuff, uh, transitions, like, and you're learning it, the best place to start is on your phone. Most of modern phones, if you've had a phone that's come out within the last three years, it can record in 4K. Uh, yeah, I don't think that there's a camera probably that released in the last two or three years that it can't record in 4K. It doesn't have a 4K mode. And even then, that's another thing. We get caught up in these numbers, 4K, 8K. There's a fucking 12K camera out made by Black Magic that I, it's like a dream. Um, Again, see gear acquisition syndrome. Um, But most content consumption, people are doing on their phones. Most people who watch YouTube on their phones are only watching in 720p, maybe 1080, maybe 1080. So your phone is a good enough place to start. And by that, I mean, start recording that video on your phone, even if it's just like I started off. I, fuck, I started with a webcam, not even my phone. I didn't even think to use my phone. Um, And then record that video with that, even if it's just snippets at first, learn to edit it. Take the time out to learn the process of video content creation, master that. And then think, okay, how would a professional camera or, or it doesn't even have to be a professional. It can be a consumer level uh, mirrorless camera. How can that streamline or help my, my process? You can live stream. A lot of the phones you can live stream too. Like, and when I say use your phone, the back camera, not the front camera, the back cameras. Like people will be, people, there's, you will be surprised how many creatives I have that have asked me about video and I said, well, hey, have you tried your phone? And they naturally go to using their front camera because they can see themselves. Instead of turning it around, the better cameras on your phone are always going to be on the back. Sorry, that's a little side tangent. I uh, didn't mean to get on a high horse there. But start off with the gear that you already have. I've said it before that there is a, a uh, podcaster uh, who recorded a video that they actually use the mic from their phone as the mic for their podcast. Now, they put it on Boomar. They get it as close to their mouth as possible. And it sounds amazing. So a lot of the time, and I know I used to be one of those people who frown on using like phones and stuff because I thought the gear is what makes you. And this is a growth thing that I've had as well to, to start with. Start with what you already have. Start with the tools that are available. Start in in if you're going to invest in gear and gear that 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 isn't breaking your bank that you can. If you can only find spend fifteen dollars on a mic, research and look the best fifteen dollar mic that you can buy for that price and then use that, whether it be USB, XLR or whatever else. And then learn the craft. Actually take the time out to learn these things. I know content creation is fun. Being able to just sit down in front of a mic, add some intro or outro and upload it is fine. But if you really take the time out, and this is why I like something like Anchor, I could never use. Uh, well, I think my podcast is listening on Anchor just as another place to listen, but I can never use it as a recording and editing suite for me because it doesn't allow you to do the EQ. It doesn't allow you to use like the same thing that is, the easy thing about uploading to Anchor sometimes harpens us to think that we have to get better gear because we didn't learn the tools. Take the time out. If this is something you're truly passionate about, like, and this is not a knock on the people who just want to record, upload, and go the fuck on about their business. If that's you, more power to you. But I'm specifically the people who just want to throw gear and want to do this professionally, actually take the time out to learn it, learn the tricks of the trade, learn how to better edit, learn how to better EQ, learn how to get the most out of what you already have before you go into something else. I have personally made the commitment to not purchasing any more gear for two years, unless something I have malfunctions or it's needed for a specific job. Um, and that goes back to like the light thing, or if there's um, an overhead fixture or something that I need for that a client wants and is requesting and I don't own, then I'm going to provide that for the client. But as far as like cameras, as far as like new mics, whatever, unless something I have goes out or no longer functions, I'm I'm making the choice to not invest in any more gear 
for the foreseeable future because I know there are things that I still that I still can learn about audio editing. There's still things that I can learn about video editing. There's still things that I can learn about whatever. Whether than whereas throwing new gear at it isn't going to help me if I don't take the time out to learn that thing. Especially because, as you guys know, I'm doing this professionally. I want to continue to do it professionally. I want this to be my main source of income by the end of 2022. So that's the goals that I'm setting. And so that's where I am. Let me know for the creatives that are listening. Uh, how's gear acquisition syndrome? affected you for the people who aren't necessarily creatives right um that sometimes just as consumers we feel like we have to stay on top of the latest and greatest and it doesn't really it doesn't really help in the long or it's not really adding very much to what we have to spend on it um and also for another people for other creators with gear acquisition syndrome make sure if you if you do feel something is a marketable upgrade for you or a noticeable upgrade for you sell your old gear to kind of eat some of that price um i have (laughs) i have totes and totes full of shit like i went through my shit the other day and i put some stuff up for sale on twitter uh that people saw but i have for example like i can literally do three different and keep in mind i have two separate recording stations set up in my studio right now one that the awaken souls run from and the one that uh that the new stuff that i do with the video channel is going to be run on the other side i have two completely different uh recording setups full audio video computers everything two completely different stations in my studio i can make three more stations based off the gear that i have that's just in storage so i'll probably be selling a little bit more to it just just holding on to it but gear acquisition syndrome let me know how it affects you if it has affected you i'm hayes this has been the awakened soul podcast you can follow us at awakened soul pod you can send us any feedback questions comments concerns theawakensoulpod at gmail.com you can also send us a voicemail 614-547-2039 yeah that's the right number we are the number one podcast for the culture and this week we're out peace Shouldn't think about you first till somebody would set me up